Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Olösta fall. En podd om försvunna människor och oklade mord. I juli 2020 blev vi kontaktade av ett spanskt filmteam som höll på att spela in en dokumentärfilm om Miguel Angel, Mannen utan hjärta, som vi berättat om i två avsnitt av Olösta fall. Detta är ett specialavsnitt om min resa till Stockholm som jag gjorde för att träffa dokumentärfilmarna. Dokumentärfilmen som släpps den 29 april 2022 kommer att heta Man Without a Heart och kommer att gå se på Discovery+. Plus. Lyssna gärna på våra avsnitt om Miguel Angel innan du lyssnar på detta bonusavsnitt. Det är avsnitt 60 och 61 av Olösta fall. Jag spelade in lite reflektioner när jag var på väg till Stockholm. Låt oss lyssna på det nu. Hej på er allihopa. Jag är på Kastrup i Köpenhamn och ska ta flyget till Stockholm alldeles strax. Och ja, allting började med för ett par veckor sedan- Kanske tre veckor sedan nu. Då vi blev kontaktade av ett produktionsteam från Spanien. Som ska spela in en dokumentärfilm om Miguel Angel. Mannen utan hjärta som vi har tagit upp i podcasten. Och de vill gärna att vi ska vara med i den här dokumentären. För att vi tar upp fallet och att vi är en av få medier som faktiskt har pratat om det här fallet i Sverige. Så nu så ska jag upp till Stockholm och träffa dem. Och det känns lite märkligt. Jag har ju aldrig träffat dem på riktigt. Utan det har ju enbart varit videosamtal och lite telefonsamtal. Och nu så ska jag då träffa dem på riktigt. Sofie kunde tyvärr inte följa med. Hon behöver vara hemma med Lycke, sin dotter. Men det ska bli så spännande att se vad det här kommer att leda till. Särskilt så hoppas vi såklart på att Miguel Angels familj ska få lite mer svar om vad som händer honom, vad som orsakar hans död. Och ja, få de svar som de har letat efter helt enkelt. En liten side note är att allting är väldigt märkligt här på Kasserup. Det märks verkligen att det är väldigt få flyg som går. 
Jag blev vaccinerad för ett par veckor sedan. Så jag har inte behövt testa mig. Men så ska man testa sig också för att komma in i Danmark. Och det är jättemånga butiker och så som stängt ner helt här. Säkert varit väldigt tufft för alla under corona. Det är lite märkligt att se med tanke på att det här är den flygplatsen vi alltid använder oss av när vi reser från Malmö. Som det är den närmsta stora internationella flygplatsen. Och så man känner igen det mesta. Men allting ser helt annorlunda ut. Det är verkligen märkligt. Jag har ju inte varit här sedan 2019. Så det har hänt en del sedan dess. Jag checkar in igen med er när jag har landat i Stockholm. Jag kommer inte via Ferran Barbar som han heter som är journalisten som har som är den som är bakom den här dokumentären som ska göras om Miguel Angel. Vi kommer träffas på Eikas kontor och jag kommer intervjua honom om arbetet med dokumentären och han är en av de journalister som har följt det här fallet alldeles från början så det ska bli väldigt intressant att höra hans perspektiv på det hela. Spännande men vi hörs senare. Hej då! Hej, Nathalie här. Jag hade inte checkat in mer när jag landade för att det var full fart från... Jag är i princip när jag landade tills nu. Klockan är 22.15. Jag är tillbaka på hotellet. Det har varit en superintensiv dag. Men jättespännande att få vara med i en dokumentär- vi besökte Eikas kontor där vi fick eh, sätta oss ner i ett poddstudio och jag fick med att intervjua Ferran som är journalisten som har gjort den här de, som gör den här dokumentären och gör all, allt det journalistiska arbetet bakom. Jag fick träffa alla eh, bakom kulisserna en screenwriter två stycken som jobbar med foto, film, ljud. Och även producenten bakom dokumentären. Och så intressant att se all planering och allting som ligger bakom när man gör en dokumentär. Och där på Ekats kontor så fick jag möjlighet att sitta ner med färnbarbar, journalisten och ställa honom lite frågor. Så jag tänkte att vi sätter väl igång den här intervjun som jag gjorde med fan. Han... Har egentligen följt det här fallet sedan 2013 tror jag det var. När han blev kontaktad av Miguel Angels syster. Som har kämpat något oerhört för att försöka få reda på sanningen i det här fallet. Så jag tänker att vi lyssnar på vad han har att säga helt enkelt. Vi vill bara klargöra att alla åsikter som Ferran yttrar sig om i intervjun är hans personliga. Och han yttrar sig utifrån sitt perspektiv. De åsikter är inte nödvändigtvis något som vi bakom olösta fall står bakom. Så Ferran, så nice meeting you. And uh, get to chat with you for our podcast, Ola Stafal. And uh, let's just start with introducing yourself. Like, who are you? Your work as a journalist and what you've been doing uh, okay. this far. 
well, thank you very much for inviting me to, to be here with you. And well, my name is Ferran, Ferran Barber, I'm from Spain. And let's say to summarize that, uh, well, I'm a, I'm a journalist from Spain. I specialize in conflicts, uh, international conflicts and social issues. I have made most of my job outside of Spain, I mean abroad. I have been working all of my life, maybe in, I don't know, 50 or 16 countries. During the last years, uh, after 2015, I have been especially working in Iraq and Syria. I have, I have been covering events such as the fall of Raqqa or Mosul. And of course, this is not the first time uh, I'm in Sweden to cover some informations. I have been here several times before. It's a country that fascinates me in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... So you've been here also investigating like Miguel Angel's case yeah. before. And could you tell me a little bit about how you first started well, uh, interesting in this case? Well, actually, um, I, as I said, this is not the f my first time in, in Sweden as a, a journalist. My first time in Sweden as a journalist was in 2014. I have been previously as a tourist, let's mm. say, right? <laughs> Well, more than like than a tourist because I used to have a Swedish girlfriend, so for personal reasons. But uh, as a journalist, I came here for the first time in 2014. I was in Sweden researching the situation of immigrants for a foundation and trying to see what life is like. Uh, for instance, trying to see what life is like in what the 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 right wing calls no go zones, mm. <laughs> and in general. Uh, I was trying to find out how people live in the back room of the system. Mm. So uh, that time I received a call from Blanca. Uh, Blanca is the Miguel Angel sister. Mm. And I felt an immediate interest in the matter. It is not the mystery that fascinates me, but the fight, the struggle of Blanca against the system, against the police, against institutions, not only Swedish, but Spanish. And... To me, it is this, the typical case in which uh, the police lie, the police is lying, and try to cover their lies with more lies until they reach a point where the truth is not possible. Yeah, that's mm. my point. Mm. So, we know that Miguel Angel traveled to Sweden, and that's everything happened here in the last, uh, I would say, days of his life. What do we actually know about his time in Sweden? Well, uh, I have been investigating uh, the Miguel Angel's case for seven years now. So I have thought a lot about Miguel Angel and his trip. Because this is, it becomes, I mean, more than a job. It's kind of obsession, right? <laughs> well, as you know, Miguel Angel had a psychiatric pathology. Mm. Uh, but did not make him an idiot or a person, how can I say, it, incapacitated for, for human relations, right? Uh, on the contrary, he was a, a smart guy, a very intelligent person. So I have uh, I imagined him many times living in Basque country, you know, the Basque country mm -hmm. is in the north of Spain, very excited, thinking uh, of, of, of Sweden. Well, I must say that he had a pension from the Spanish state, and had money in his bank account, so he had money enough to make this trip. He wasn't a beggar or a homeless. Uh, he used to travel as a, as a backpacker, mm. right? 
We believe that it wasn't the first time that he visited Sweden because uh, we know that he had a P.O. box in your city, in Malmo. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> to be honest, we don't know why. We can speculate about it, but mm. we have no idea. It is also possible that he knew a girl here before mm -hmm. his last trip. And we have been we have been able to trace his steps a bit and trace his journey um, thanks to the movements of uh, his bank car. Mm. What we do know now is that Miguel Angel had a problem with the police on August 1st, 2005 in Karlstad, and that these uh, policemen were the last known people to see him alive, to yeah. see him. To see him, yeah. Uh, some days before his bank cars had uh, stopped working, so it's possible, I will say that it's for sure that Miguel Angel began to get nervous and began to know he could suffer some kind of crisis, Mental crisis, maybe, mm. why not? I honestly believe that Miguel Angel was disappointed, mm. felt disappointed for something. I believe that he didn't find what he was uh, expecting to find during his trip to Scandinavia. And the additional fact that he was left without access to his bank account could compromise his mood. And as I say, perhaps his mental health. Mm. So it was under these circumstances that he called the Spanish embassy from Maristad to ask for help. He wanted to come back to Spain. Blanca, her sister, suspects that he could make this call from a hospital, maybe from a hospital. Okay. And Blanca does not rule that Miguel Angel was mistreated by the Karlstad police. Mm. But, uh, of course, she's speculating. Mm. And basically, that's what we have about his, his journey. Mm. So we don't know why he was in Maristad. We only can speculate why. No idea. We know that he had a, a problem in a bank office in Karstadt. That's why he was uh, not arrested. He was under custody for, we don't really know how long, according to the police, six hours, according to us, at least uh, 10 or 12, or maybe more, maybe more than one day. Mm. Yeah. Next thing was this uh, last phone call from Marista to the Spanish consulate. Mm. And the next thing was mm. uh, when the police found his uh, his body. We don't know if it's his body, really. Mm. Uh, floating yeah. on the water, leaving mm. in Estocolo. Yeah, and uh, when he was found in uh, the waters there outside Lidinga, uh, how what was the condition of the body? Well, uh, regarding Marista, as I said, mm -hmm. uh, we, we also know, thanks to the Spanish consular office, that a week after his arrest, I mean, on August 8, the victim made this uh, phone call to the Spanish mm -hmm. embassy, as I said. And uh, according to the official who spoke with Miguel Angel, the victim wanted to leave Sweden as soon as possible. He didn't feel good here for some reason. He had no mm -hmm. money. Maybe he had a bad experience. Maybe he had some problem with the police in Karstadt. Mm. You remember that the Karstadt headquarters, uh, there was another immigrant who died, uh, Osmo Bayo, right? Mm. And this was the last known time that anyone heard Miguel Angel's voice. In fact, the Spanish official promised uh, to help Miguel Angel and to help him to leave the country. Miguel Angel said that he would call, call, uh, call them back, and he never did. Mm. So we don't really know what happened. And the next thing we heard about him was that he was found floating dead in Stockholm, leading, leading a fjord. But 
we are not sure if it's, it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what was he doing in, in Maristad? Well, Maristad is the natural way from Karlstad to Stockholm. Mm. So, so maybe it was on the way. Yeah. Mm. So if he tried to go to the Swedish capital to return to Spain, it's, it is logical that he, he crossed Maristad, right? And However, that was also what he was asking about. He wanted to go home uh, when he talked to the em- embassy. Maybe. So, mm. However, the big victim's sister, I mean, Blanca, suspects that he was able to make the call from a hospital. There is uh, various evidence to support that idea. One of them is that pills were found next to his body. In the water? Yeah, in Lidingen. Mm. However, these pills were never identified by the police and disappeared in the Petra forensic exam. That's mm. another mystery. Mm. I did not know about the pills. <laughs> yeah? No. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So that's what uh, suggests us in, in a way that maybe mm. he was in a hospital mm. because he hate he hated to take pills. Mm. Most of the uh, psychiatric, um, I mean, people with uh, psychiatric disorders hate to take pills because mm. the uh, pills change their personalities and so yeah. Yeah. So um, his body was found in the waters after living here. So. What was the condition of the body? Well, the next thing we know is that a British citizen uh, named Sarah Adams, that's what the police say, contacted the leading police on September 22, 2005 to report the discovery of a body. And according to the police, the body was in an advanced state of uh, putrefaction. So the police officers who came to the scene and among them, there was, a, I think he's famous in, here in Sweden, he's uh, called Melin. Mm. He's, he was the Camilla, oh, he's the Camilla Laxberg ex-husband, mm. right? And I think he's also a popular face on Swedish television, right? Yeah, yeah. So according to this guy, the dead man had a wound on his right eyebrow. Mm. That wound detected by the, this, uh, this police, uh, this policeman disappeared from the autopsy carried out by Petro Raston. Mm. Also, so that's another mystery. Mm. She said that uh, she couldn't identify any injury or anything because the the corpse was in a very bad state. So, what the police and the coroner essentially maintain through different documents full of contradictions mm. is that Miguel Angel committed suicide by jumping from the leading bridge or from one of the boats that made the journey between Helsinki and Stockholm. And according to the post-mortem examination signed by Petra Rustin, the bus guy died by drowning. The police also did not rule out that Miguel Angel died by accident, but they were just speculating. Mm. And what is uh, truly surprising is the way they acted from then on. No photographs were taken. A judge did not attend to this scene, the crime, the crime scene. Mm. The area wasn't cordoned off during the removal of the body, so it was uh, a mess, a total mess. They decided in 30 minutes that it had been a suicide and the case was closed. Mm. In fact, uh, Miguel Angel would have been buried as an an anonymous corpse if a Solna nurse with a Spanish origin roots, uh, she's called Isabel Ferretela, well, 
she said that uh, she was working that night in Solna. Mm -hmm. uh, he, she took a look in his pockets when the victim was in the morgue. So it was she, this nurse, Isabel Ferraceda, who, who identified Miguel Angel and not the police, which is insane, totally mm -hmm. insane. That's simply unacceptable. That's African style, right? Mm -hmm. And this is Sweden. This is not uh, Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Do we have any theories about what he was doing at Lidinga, if he actually was there? Or could it be that the body floated with the current from some other place, maybe if in Stockholm, and ended up there? What's your thoughts about that? Actually, that's uh, a mystery, because as you know, we are now trying to go on researching the issue. Uh, I mean, right now, and one of the biggest questions I, I, I'm making myself every every day is uh, I, I can't understand what uh, Miguel Angel was doing in Lidingo because Lidingo is a very expensive suburb, mm. a very expensive uh, neighborhood. I mean, even uh, uh, we know he was broke, but it's obvious that homeless are not very welcome in Lidingo. Actually, uh, begging is forbidden. It was the seventh neighborhood in Stockholm to provide mm. the begging. Mm. So, the, the, I can't find any reason, uh, even if uh, he was also, um, if uh, he decided to commit suicide, why to go to Lidingo? Mm. Mm. Why don't jump, uh, why don't, uh, I don't know, uh, go to the railway station? Mm. Actually, most of suicides here in Stockholm are committed in the railway stations. Mm. So, no, I have no idea. Mm. But there's one thing for sure. The police discard in one second the possibility of an homicide, of a crime. Why? Mm. Yeah, that is something that we also see in a lot of other cases that we have covered on our podcast. Uh, just the fact that some decisions are taken very fast because what we what we argue a lot about is that wouldn't it be better if they secure everything and then they decide <laughs> because if they don't do that everything gets lost all the evidence or you know that you could find in a crime scene hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, the, the body um, was never properly identified. That's true. And that is a uh, one big issue that we that we talked a lot about in the episodes we did about Miguel Angel. I think that is something that you could just take out from this case, and it will still be like a scandal, because you should never bury someone or uh, not identify a dead person um, in that way. You should do everything you can to mm-hmm. identify them in the correct manner. Uh, what are your thoughts about that part of this whole? Uh, you are case? totally right. Actually, well, first, as I mentioned to you, he was about to be buried as an anonymous uh, person because the police didn't even check out his pockets, which is absolutely insane. insane. But after that, when Isabel Ferreceda realized that this guy was from Spain and his name was Miguel Angel Martinez Santa Maria, the family sent from Spain a DNA test, but the Swiss police police decided not to check it out and so yeah it was a total a total mess and now you probably know we are here we are now in 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 sweden but we are planning to go to london mm. because the family is not sure at all if the guy who was buried in london is uh, miguel angel or mm. any other person mm. so we are going to exhumate the family is going to exhumate the body and they are, we are going to make a third uh, forensic exam because mm. as you know there were a second uh, second forensic exam the second forensic exam was made in England and thanks to it we found out that the body mm. I don't know if it's the Miguel Angel body or, or another person's body was sent to England without a heart and a half of his liver mm. so now we're going to make the uh, we're going to exhumate the corpse mm. and we are going to make a third uh, forensic exam. I don't really know what kind of information we can get because it's a long time since the body was buried. More than 15 years, yeah. but we're going to try. Maybe at least identification for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually that's the, the first goal. You know, the Blanca's and Miguel Angel's mother died. I was with Blanca a few days ago in the Basque Country and she told me my, my mother was very sad but because she died without knowing for sure if the guy who was buried in London is Miguel Angel mm. or any other person. So that's a mess. And it's really insane, unbelievable how sometimes the governments, not only the Swedish government, but the Spanish government, because this is not something between Spaniards against Swedes because it can happen everywhere, right? Mm how they they treat sometimes the common people mm. yeah it's, mm. it's very sad it's very mm. sad that's why i i really love blanca yeah he's she's got a very special energy and yeah i i love her a lot mm. she's got a very special kind of personality but you need to be very very strong mm. to keep this struggle for long yeah, yeah. yeah so many years yeah so many hurdles so many since, since the first second, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, that was actually one of my questions. If we, you're going to exhumate the body. And, yeah. and that's really good, I think, for the family that it's finally being done and that they at least get that part answered. Uh, and if it's not Miguel Angel, it will be crazy. It will be but I we think, can the biggest news ever. We can discard it. We are going to make another DNA test to the body. Mm -hmm. So we will know something maybe in September. Mm -hmm. What is your thought? Do you think that it's him who is buried in London? Or what is your gut feeling? Tell I don't me? really know it. No. But um, I think that, yeah, that mm. the guy who was uh, buried in London is Miguel Ang. Yeah. yeah. But mm. as you said, it's just a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're working now on a documentary about mm -hmm. the case. How long have you been doing it and uh, how has it been so far? <clears throat> it's hard to to tell how long we have been working because we began to think about the documentary a few years ago. but. The pre-production began maybe four or five months ago, and the production began maybe one month ago. And we are going to be working for maybe three more months, mm -hmm. and then the documentary will be released in 120 countries. Sweden is one of them. And I think it's so important because this case really needs to get all the attention it can. And I think that's a great job that you're doing too. At least get it out there once and for all. Also outside Spain, I think. I think it be covered quite a lot in Spain, but not enough here in Sweden. And I think also it's a. It, I think the family really needs uh, the attention to the case. And we we interviewed both Blanca and uh, her brother when we were making the podcast, and uh, I really feel like they they deserve the answers. It's been so many years. At least know what happened to him. Why? What was the cause of that? Actually, I want to ask you something. Mm -hmm. uh, why did you get interested about this case? Because uh, as far as I know, just another Swedish media dedicated uh, a report to this case. And that's weird for me. Why, why did you get interested? Uh, we actually was one of our listeners who sent a link to... Uh, article about this case. I think it was a Swedish article, but it wasn't that much information in it. But it was uh, mentioning the part with uh, that he did not have a heart in the second autopsy. <laughs> and that made us really interested in uh, what is this case? It sounds really weird. It's happened here in Sweden. And then we, yeah, we, we just thought that this story is too interesting not to be told, more or less. And then we always have the perspective of the family. So we tried to contact his family and uh, got this interview with the sister and the brother. And that was kind of how we released it. It's, it's not an investigative podcast. It's just telling the story, what happened, and trying to get more attention. And I've tried also to help the, um, Blanca get some contacts here in Sweden with some journalists. But it's been really hard, you know, to get the resources needed to really cover this case. So I'm really happy that now finally. And what's your impression, done. your personal impression? Do you think that we'll we be able of uh, finally knowing what really happened or, or not? That's an impossible goal. Maybe. I think attention is one really good way because if more people questions things, uh, maybe on a political level or some someone will actually... Uh, pay attention to this and uh, ex 
how to say expose what happened or I think it's a good way to start uh, so I'm really hopeful that at least you will get some answers and then the exhumation of the body is really important I think as well just to end that those questions for the family I'm, I'm just curious about what's your impression about the role, role of the police in this case yeah, the police really, and Petra coroner. Yeah, it's, it's really hard we we did uh, cover that uh, DN article on our podcast that questions kind of Petra's uh, work and uh, it was an interview with her where she uh, is answering some questions uh, but she really the core thing is about what happened to the heart because the heart was not there in London and she has some explanations to it but I I've also read a lot that it has been also questioned that it cannot just disappear. So I think that it's uh, very weird and I think uh, she's also a very respected coroner in Sweden which also think makes it more complicated because people mm. are afraid to criticize her. That's my feeling at least. Mm. I think that something has definitely not done correctly here. <laughs> Uh, because it shouldn't happen like that. And if if there was a mistake, it should be, it must, you know, you must own it. You must say, there must have been a mistake because I put in the heart, the heart is not there, then some, somewhere along the way, there must have been a mistake. But do you think that uh, we are dealing with an organ trafficking case or maybe it's... I don't know. I don't know. No idea. It's um, because then it must have happened before, you know. Then that it must have happened before he was uh, in the autopsy room the first time, right? Because uh, otherwise, you know, it it can't be any way decomposed when you're gonna deal with organ trafficking, right? So I, I think it's so complicated. I don't know what happened, and I think with when it comes to the police, my feeling is that there is a reason why they are hard to get a hold of why they don't want to answer questions about this case. It's not an open investigation, so that's not a reason. Uh, they don't even think that there's a crime behind it, so at least they could answer some basic questions about it, but they don't, and they don't want to. And that, for me, is weird. I think it would be a lot better if they would at least answer questions because then why, why? <laughs> That's the big question. Why w won't you cooperate? Why won't you at least say your thoughts about it and what happened, even if it's it's an accident? So I think there were some mistakes done. I think the mistakes are around how the body was handled, how the it was never properly, a, the place where he was found was not properly investigated or, how do you say, secured. And I think that uh, is something that comes up all the time in the cases that we cover. It's an issue. And that it shouldn't be like that because that a lot of questions could be avoided by actually doing it right from the beginning. Uh, and what about, you know, we have been trying to elaborate the different scenarios. And of course, organ trafficking is one, just one of them. Could be a... Uh, well, there, there are different possibilities, right? But one of them, what about the illegal use of the organs for some kind of investigation without permission. Yeah. Does yeah. it sound logic for you? I've never heard about it before, but I've, I've read that it happens. 
that it's uh, I've also you sent me some links about the cases where people have uh, lost their organs or it had been discovered in second autopsies to people. So there is something weird going on because that shouldn't happen. I think from a, how do you say, from a family point of view, how would you feel if your daughter or son died abroad and when you get home the body, organs are not there? That is not right, I mean. Actually, you know that um, um, this is uh, everywhere. I mean, this is not a Spanish practice or a Swiss practice everywhere. Uh, when you want to make a toxicologic or histopathologic exam, mm. most of the times they need to take the whole organ and then they send it to the institution. And sometimes, and this is very frequent, the organ, they don't put the organ back, especially if you must send the body to repatriate the body to any other country. Mm. But the thing here is that uh, Petra denies that she had forgotten to put the organ back. So, mm. Yeah, she says that she took small pieces mm -hmm. to test. Exactly, and that was tissue. It. And small then pieces it was, of tissue. And then it was put back. <laughs> mm. I really expect, expect to, to see her. Mm. That's another of my goals. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, she's always on vacation mm. when I come here. Uh, and this is my third or fourth time. But maybe it is time. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be good at least for her to get her side of the story straight to you. and uh, Because, of course, you, you're going to have to talk about the heart and the issues with the autopsy. If you're doing a whole documentary about this case, you have to address that big issue and she is the one you should talk to if you if you have uh, anything around that actually it would be great to 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 listen to her version of the facts you know mm. yeah. so we will see mm. maybe we are lucky yeah <laughs> i i really hope so because Thank i think you. that would be the best mm. Så det var den intervjun. Vi har pratat om ganska många olika bitar som ni hörde. Och efter att vi hade varit på kontoret så åkte vi faktiskt till Lidingö. Den plats där kroppen hittades. Platsen ligger precis när man har kört över Lidingöbron. Man kommer från centrala Stockholm och kör över bron. Så ligger platsen alldeles precis till höger om bron. Där finns lite stenar som går ut från vattnet och en pytteliten strand. Och vi promenerade faktiskt så man kan inte köra bil hela vägen fram. Man kan köra bil en bit fram, parkera och sen gå på en slags gångstig under bron liksom. Och då kommer man till eh, den här lilla öppningen. Det är som en liten glänta kan man säga, en väldigt, väldigt liten strand. Och det ska alltså vara på den här platsen som kroppen hittades. En liten karta som polisen har i utredningen och de har pekat ut platsen. Och det ska ha varit en eh, brittisk kvinna som man aldrig har lyckats lokalisera i efterhand under allt arbete med dokumentären men även tidigare. Hon har aldrig blivit intervjuad i någon tidning eller så. Men hon ska i alla fall ha på något sätt promenerat där eller sett kroppen. 
vet inte om det var från avstånd eller om hon gick relativt nära. Hon var inte riktigt säker på vad det var hon såg men kontaktade polisen. För att hon misstänkte att det kunde vara något ja, som det nu var en kropp. Polisen kom dit och det vi inte visste när vi spelade in avsnittet om Miguel Angel var att den polis som kom först till platsen, det var två poliser. Och den ena av dem var faktiskt Martin Melin. Den här eh, kända, kända, kanske den mest kända polisen vi har i Sverige. Han var ju känd redan då. Han var med i Robinson 1992 eller någonting, men början av 90-talet. Och detta skedde ju 2005. Så han måste ha varit ett känt namn redan då. Och han är alltså polisen, en av dem som är fast på platsen. Och som kunde rapportera om att det var en kropp av en man som antagligen har legat i vattnet en tid, har de skrivit. Och också skrivit att det fanns en del tydliga skador på kroppen, bland annat vid ögonbrynet. Produktionen har haft sagt kontakta Melin för en kommentar och jag vet inte om han kommer höra av sig till dem. Det verkar som att de har i alla fall en initial kontakt. Så man kan ju hoppas att han vill vara en del av dokumentären och om han minns vad som hände. Hade det varit väldigt intressant att höra med hans egna ord hur det var att hitta den här kroppen. Men det som slog mig generellt sett när jag var på platsen var att det var liksom en gångväg ner till vattnet. Vilket jag också poängterade ut när vi var där. Det kändes nästan lite som att om man känner till området, kanske har gått där förut eller på något sätt bor i området eller liknande, så skulle man kanske veta om att det var liksom en gångväg ner till vattnet där. Att det skulle vara om man ville slänga in en kropp i vattnet så skulle det kanske vara en, faktiskt den perfekta platsen. För det ligger lite undangömt, borta från bilar och liknande. Eftersom det är bara en gångstig där om man inte kan köra hela vägen fram. Men det kräver ju också att man vet om platsen tror jag. Det är ingen plats man bara springer på eh, när man letar efter ett ställe sådär. Men om man då skulle ponera på att det har varit ett mord som har skett så tänker jag att då har det nog legat där ett tag på platsen innan den hittades. De teorierna som rättsläkaren i fallet hade var ju att... Eh, Miguel Angel ska ha hoppat från antingen bron eller en båt. Det är lite olika tankar som vi diskuterade idag, jag och Ferran. Nummer ett är bron är ganska tungt trafikerad. Det är klart, hade han hoppat om natten kanske hade det inte varit lika mycket bilar. Men hade det varit på om man säger dag eller kväll så tror jag att det är nästan oundvikligen hade varit något vittne som hade sett honom. Och sen eh, tänkte vi också på att det går en tåg eller en tunnelbanetåg precis under bron. Hade man då inte om man var i sådana tankar kanske hellre hoppat framför tåg. Jag vet inte. Det är kanske det mest vanliga när man tänker på självmord. Sen tänkte jag också på att strömmen verkar gå i motsatt håll från bron. Den här lilla platsen där kroppen hittades på ligger liksom uppströms om man säger så. Så det känns lite otroligt att om man hoppade i vattnet från bron att han skulle hittas där. Då skulle nog hittas på andra sidan av bron. Det är bara min egen 
magkänslan när jag såg platsen. Båtteorin tycker jag nog är den minst troliga. Det baserar jag på nummer ett. Du måste identifiera dig för att gå på en båt. Den teorin har man kunnat undersöka ganska tydligt om han har gått på en båt eller ej. Vittnen där igen. Det hoppar ju personer från båtar. Det händer ju. Men det är väldigt sällan det händer obemärkt. Ofta ser det någon som ser det. Det är ganska mycket människor på de här stora Finlandsfärgerna, kryssningarna som går där i Värtahamnen. Men en sak till. Han hade inga pengar. Han hade cirka 50 kronor eller någonting i den stilen på sig när han hittade stöd. Inget kort. Det hade han kastat själv. Tydligen där när han gick på motorvägen i Norge när han verkar inte mått bra psykiskt och polisen stoppade honom. Så ska han ha kastat sitt pass och sitt körkort eller sitt, vad säger jag, sitt pass och sitt kontokort. Det har polisen själv sett och plockat upp efter han hade tagit sig från platsen. Så han hade ju heller inget kort och det var ju på grund av det han hamnade i hela den här situationen i Karlstad för han hade inget kort. Så han kunde inte hämta ut pengar. Han hade pengar på banken men han kunde inte komma åt sina pengar snarare och han hade ingen, ingen identifikation. Förutom den här kopian som han hade i fickan när han hittade stöd. Så han kunde inte hämta ut sina egna pengar på banken. Så när han hittade stöd i Lidingö så hade han ju varken pengar i form av kort eller kontanter till att liksom kunna köpa en biljett som det kostar ändå en del att köpa en biljett till ett kryssningsfartyg. Och det menar man på då Ferran. Jag pratade lite med honom och det menar han på. Det känns inte så troligt att han skulle ha råd med det. Och jag har faktiskt så faktum är att han utan pengar och ja, inte mådde bra psykiskt. Kanske liknade en hemlös person. Fastän han inte var det och han hade pengar egentligen. Så tror jag till utseendet att han skulle säkert kunna misstas från en hemlös person. Kanske en flykting, något i den stilen. Och det har vi varit med om förut i podden. Att eh, personer i de här kategorierna. Framförallt då hemlösa eller till exempel alkoholister eller personer som har drogberoende eller liknande. Att de i större grad råkar ut för att ens fall inte tas på allvar, initialt i alla fall. Och sen när man väl tar det på allvar så är det för sent. Tack för att du har lyssnat på detta specialavsnitt av Olösta fall.
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.